Welcome. You are listening to Hound's Tooth Heroes. Some call us the Sports Taco, and this is the Holy Bloop. We're in the National Championship Game Edition. Some quick housekeeping. Uh, you can find us on SoundCloud on Hound's Tooth Heroes. Thank you, as always, to the Mothership Roll Bama Roll for allowing us to be their most unofficial podcast. Find us and subscribe on iTunes, or on our Facebook page, or on Twitter at H2Heroes. My name is Greg Dawkins. I am joined, as always, by my good friend and co-host, Ellis Metz. What are you drinking, Ellis Metz? Gregory, as you noted, it's a big week this week, so I'm sipping on the Nectar of the Gods, the Two-Hearted Ale from Bell's Brewery, my absolute favorite. That is a solid choice, my friend. Thank you. What's happening over there? Well, listener Fred uh, informed me that I was doing the world a disservice by mixing my bullet rye with Diet Coca-Cola. So now I'm sucking on a delicious bullet rye with uh, branch water and a big old cube of ice. So everything is good here, except when I tell you nothing is good. Everything is horrible. What is horrible with you, my friend? You know, at a time like this, I'm reminded of a famous short story. Uh, It's six words, for sale, baby shoes never worn. I never knew the end of that story till just this week, and as it turns out, the baby's health is just fine. Only problem is he's about to be barefoot and homeless thanks to the Oregon Ducks choking away a 31 to nothing halftime lead on our hate of the year of the year of the year. Of, of the, the year. year. God almighty. I need a if anybody has a couch I can sleep on, I would be down for that. Lost our butts on uh, that. You hear that, Mark Helfrich? Homeless oh. babies. Exactly we're dealing with tell me what's horrible in your life if you can top that well i don't i can top it but i do have two and separate and distinct horrible things oh no first of all friend of the show uh aaron suttles who writes for tiesports.com uh recently posted a thing informing us all that saban and domo sweeney are pals the quote is this He's got a place at Boca Grande where we have a place. We take boat rides together and go out to eat. He has a great family. The boys play basketball and all that stuff. Well, let me tell you, I'm not a fan of fraternization. I don't like. I don't. I don't like hanging out with the enemy. I like talking about them. I like looking at them. I like pointing at them. This is nothing good. Nothing good could come of this. The second problem I have is spirit air. As you know, I am going to the national championship game in beautiful, scenic Glendale, Arizona, which is really Phoenix. Now, granted, I am saving 1000 American dollars doing this, but I'm taking Spirit Air. And let me just tell you, I have Googled Spirit Air, and all the advice I was given was, whatever you do, don't take Spirit Air. <laughs> uh, everything is an upgrade. Like, basically, getting on the plane is an upgrade. Mm-hmm. Checking in at the desk, upgrade. Uh, the seats don't recline. And look, I pee a lot. I don't know if there's even a bathroom on site. Um, I, 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 the, the whole the whole bird is BYOB. There's nothing good going to happen. So I'm t- if you don't arrive 45 minutes in time, they cancel your whole reservation. And if you know me, oh you know I don't do things on time. I don't do anything well. So I'm looking at being stranded in New Orleans Airport for the entirety of the National Championship. I was about to say, I hope you can find a good bar down there. I don't know if they have bars in New Orleans, but if you can find one that's showing a football game, good luck. Hardly any, hardly any at all. But let's move into uh, what we came here to talk about. The first question I've got is, looking back on this season, did you ever in this world believe the Todd would be here right now? Never. Literally never. I don't think there was, even after the LSU game, I just felt 
something would go awry. I did not see this happening. I mean, everybody is making fun of uh, like Peter Burns and all those guys that say, you know, I would expect the Tide to lose four games this year, but really, I didn't expect four. But I in no way expected us to be here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought two or three was if we lose two or three, that's a gift. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, this is uh, unexpected and fantastic. Fantastic and really amazing when you look back. <coughs> we shouldn't have even lost one game. I know, but you know, but you know, sometimes things bounce off a helmet. Yeah, they do. They do. <laughs> they do. Uh, let's take a quick look at the National Championship semifinal game where we took on the Michigan State Spartans, and it was a mauling, folks. A mauling. Yeah, I barely remember the game, but uh have a <laughs> few notes here that we jotted down. You know, Sparty made the conscious decision to take Derrick Henry out of the game, which seemed like a decent business decision at the time. Right. Uh, but, but the implication was there that Jake Coker could not beat them, Boy, howdy, did Jake Coker beat them. Um, (laughs) He had a heck of a game, finished up 25 of 30 for 286 yards, two touchdowns, and zero INTs. We saw a lot of that at Coker Deep Ball on the I was going to say, both of those touchdowns were, well, at at Coker Deep Ball. And and if you're not following at Coker Deep Ball on Twitter, my God, how are you going through life? All those 10,000 characters he's putting out. Exactly. Uh, I do think Saban's comments were telling about Coker. Because, uh, look, everybody, after the game, everybody said, well, Jake Coker had a career game. And based on the numbers, I guess he did. But, you know, what Saban said was, look, he's always done what he asked him to do, what we asked him to do. And if you'll remember, Jimbo Fisher said he was neck and neck with James Winston at FSU. And we saw that last week. I mean, I think we have not seen that Jake Coker. We didn't need to see that Jake Coker. Mm-hmm. The guy is capable. We just haven't needed him to do what he did on New Year's Eve. But I think it was there all along. Yeah, and there was a good story that kind of came out maybe in the days before the game about when they benched Coker for Cooper Bateman in that ill-fated Ole Miss game. And Lane Kiffin said, you know, <laughs> we knew it pissed him off, and we wanted it to piss him off. We wanted to kind of bring out what we thought was down there. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it seems they did. I'll tell you who people expected to see something out of and did not was ESPN's boy, Connor Cook. Uh, he yep. was he was kind of the glamour Hollywood quarterback. Everybody had gone just off the deep end saying he should have been invited to the Heisman. They couldn't believe he wasn't even there. And he finished the night 19 of 29, uh, 210 yards and two INTs. Uh, there was a point, we'll get to our favorite parts of the game, but this is it off probably, the, This is my favorite quote of the night. Yeah, off the field, this was absolutely my favorite moment, where he was apparently uh, captured on the 60-yard big screen at Cowboy Stadium saying, they're effing everywhere about the tied defense. Only he didn't say effing. He didn't say effing. Nobody says effing. Exactly. And so finally, for your one tied porn start at the start of the night, they ran for 29 yards total. 29. That's like... That's like hardly any. That's like to the mailbox. Not even back. <laughs> just to the mailbox. I don't know what life you're living, whether your mailbox is 29 yards away, but okay. Um, you know, but, but you do live in Clay Travis's I was about to so. say, it's actually Clay Travis's mailbox we're talking about. <laughs> exactly. All right, so there was... In that game, there were some standout moments, and we were trying to do something called 
what is your favorite play? Now, granted, this segment needs a different name. However, uh, there are a few candidates for this. Uh, there's the Derrick Henry stiff arm, the Dylan Lee interception, the O.J. Howard uh, pass completion. Uh, there are others. We probably should have posted a Twitter poll on it, but yet we're dumb and didn't. What was your favorite play of the game? We, hey, we might still can post a Twitter poll. Be on the lookout. Uh, my favorite play, and if you've ever had just the truly unfortunate task of watching an Alabama football game with me, I actually am that guy who tends to complain when we get a special teams touchdown because I have this weird thought that I want that our deep offense should be able to do what they do, and I want to see if they can improve from one drive to the other, et cetera, et cetera. It's real dumb, real obnoxious. But all the more ironic that my favorite play from – uh, Thursday night's game was the Cyrus Jones run back. It was so beautiful. It was the perfect time where we were starting to pull away but needed to to nail in the coffin. And then that stutter step where there was a Sparty defender. That was sexy as hell. Oh, my gosh. It was like he froze time, and he was the only one moving. And uh, I'd like to point out, somebody on this podcast, and it might have been both of us, pointed out that uh, they are horrible at defending special teams. Not only one podcast in America pointed that out, but, ladies and gentlemen, and it was Houndstooth Heroes. And did we deliver? Yes, we did. That's absolutely right. And I'm not even going to let you give me all the credit, Gregory. That was you and you alone. I don't uh, know about all that, but I can tell you what my favorite play was. It was when O.J. Howard decided to shed his hands of stone. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if it's a trend. Because as we've discussed here, O.J. Howard is a hell of a blocking tight end, mm-hmm. but um, not so much with the catching. Um, this, uh, but he did have the long pass come his way. Now, granted, it was really it was a perfectly thrown ball. If you miss it, you're just you're. I mean, it's impossible to miss. But nevertheless, he did pull it in, and we're hoping that that is a uh, sign of the future. For one, O.J. Howard. That is a sign, and I'm about to give you a hot scoop and take here that hasn't been shared before. But I was told from a source within the program that O.J. has actually been dialing up one fellow 251-er, Preston Dial, uh, kind of on how to thrive in the Alabama tight end system. Now, you know I want to love Preston, but he went to UMS, and so... Nobody really loves Preston, but... (laughs) <laughs> a, fine, a fine tight end and I thought it was interesting that OJ at least supposedly respects him enough to call and ask for tips exactly exactly yeah. alright Clemson 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 oh it's about to get good y'all do we know. hate Clemson we do hate Clemson Uh-oh. you can get your hardcore X's and O's elsewhere but we're going to feel your hate with some facts y'all need to listen up I have six hardcore reasons why you should be hating Clemson John Heisman is number one. Hmm. Yes, the namesake of our trophy in residence. He coached at Clemson, but it was only it was from like 1900 to 1903, only for three years, but even he had the sense to get the hell out of Clemson, South Carolina. Number two, running down that hill, like hmm. they're in some damn Kate Bush song. They released balloons. The whole scene looks like the sound of music, except without all the Nazis. But it's rural South Carolina, so there could be Nazis. I don't really know. Number three, the tiger doesn't even have a name. I think at some point they've decided to call it eight ball, but that can't be right. Nobody names their mascot after cocaine. But with the look on his face, it does look like he's been face down with a straw for half the night. I don't think he has a name. It's like naming your dog dog or your baby girl girl. Number four, Death Valley. Ugh. 
It's named that because it's below a cemetery. It's not because anybody dies in the stadium. Now, I guess we're not really ones to talk about stadium being by being stadiums being by cemeteries, but we didn't name the damn thing after it. Number five, Howard's Rock. This is perhaps the most ridiculous tradition in sports. All right, here's the deal. Um, well, I should say it's not the most ridiculous tradition in sports. It was, and then we got rid of those damn trees. So this that was the competition. But here's the deal. They keep it under glass, and they revere the thing like it's made of solid gold. But in reality, it was a doorstop. Not even kidding. It was a doorstop in Frank Howard's office, and now it's a thing. And finally, number six, Dabo. What can I say about Dabo that hasn't been said about clown-themed pornography? His mom was his roommate in college. This is a fact. I know this because he lived in the my apartment complex. The dude is an overpaid gym teacher who spends his night in a propeller beanie sucking on lollipops. When he's not sharing boats with Nick Saban's family. There's that. That is the best take on one Dabo Sweeney I've ever heard. He really lived in your apartment complex? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I'm with his old. mom. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, you don't know this story? Well, oh, I saw a headline and was like, that's not right. Oh, it's completely absurd. All right, here's the thing. He grew up in poverty in Pelham, Alabama, which I'm, you know, God love the, the poor people. I was one of them at one point, but, you know, I escaped it, and so did he. Um, but, yeah, he had no money, and and he walked on, and I'm not entirely sure why his mama was there, uh, but his mama was there. They lived down the hall from me in, God, I live in some damn many places. I can't possibly tell you where this was, but it was in one of the trashier places I lived, and there were quite a few of those. But, yeah, he his mama was his roommate. Uh, and I don't mean was his roommate in a different room. Was his roommate in the same room? Wow. Which really begs the question, how old do you think it was when Dabo stopped breastfeeding? This is a solid question. This is a very solid question. But, yeah, I mean, I, he was down the hall, and it was all kind of weird. Look, Dabo's as nice as they come, but I'm not afraid to say what I said is true. He lives his life in a propeller beanie. Yes, no, that's that's the best visual you can have. I'll just tack on a couple things. I think you have coined the phrase palmetto barners. They are. Which is totally accurate. They are this cult, weird, family-type organization where everybody's just ate up with Clemson for no apparent mm -hmm. reason. And, yeah. and the one thing I can say, and you know this pains me, is that at least Auburn has some history of football success. I mean, it's, it's very minor, don't get me wrong. But, but there is a history there that they can talk about, that they can reflect upon, that they can at least use to define them, whereas Clemson has nothing of the sort. They've well, won maybe two championships? If they've won, well, I, only, I'm not, I don't know about two. I know they've won one. Maybe they won the one. They did it one. They, they won one with uh, the help of one Bama grad, Danny Ford. Yeah, and then they fired him. Yeah, well, you know, that's what you do when that's a championship coach. Yeah, right. And when then they have, they have like a fake gas station bar the esso club that i've heard so much about that just looks like the lamest place you could ever hang out in the middle of podunk south carolina mm, so it's a supper club is what you're saying yes no exactly they have their own supper club it's, it's they are with literally the auburn with a lake yeah yeah I hate them that's absurd yeah. anyway speaking of clubs and let's just dive face first in some hot wet tiger action mm. um look Let's not mix words. Their offense is formidable. They are number six nationally, ranked with uh, averaging 512 yards a game, 283 through the air, 212 on the ground, 38 points per game. So it's something to be dealt with. 
Yeah, I mean, Deshaun Watson has gotten all the praise in the world, and he deserves it. Uh, this will surprise all of you who have never heard a Nick Saban press conference in your life, but Saban said he's probably the best quarterback we faced all year. Oh. Yeah, never, yeah, I know. We've never heard that. Uh, I don't have, should have, don't, his uh, stats against Oklahoma, but he had a heck of a night and yeah. sort of put the team on his back, though. Um, he, w- he was a lot of... I think design runs, but also a lot of on-the-fly runs. Really impressive. But before we get into that, let's uh, look a little bit at where Clemson has been prior to now because I kind of have this growing theory that they haven't... They they just don't really have a quality or a statement win. Uh, they inexplicably beat Miami 55 to nothing earlier in the year. You'll recall this is the Miami... Mm-hmm that fired their coach uh, yeah. later in the season. And that was the most bizarre win ever. I mean, Miami, for whatever, you know, Miami's not horrible. Not terrible. But they, they're not, they're not, they're not great, but they're not 55 to nothing run out of, the, of their own stadium bad. No. You might but say yeah, Miami Clemson. But it was the anomaly of the whole season for them. They did not beat the hell out of anybody aside from Wofford and Appalachian State. Yeah, exactly. Their their biggest game was against Notre Dame, a Notre Dame team that, frankly, isn't all that impressive here at the end of the season. Right. Uh, they needed to stop a two-point conversion at the end of that game to advance, and they won 24-22. to um, Yeah, Notre Dame, just not so much. They did beat Louisville, who is solid-ish. Yeah. And they won that game by three. Yeah. And getting back to Notre Dame, look, Notre Dame is a solid offensive team, but... Defense really isn't their thing, and this vaunted Clemson offensive attack only scored 24 points. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it, I, and, and look, that was one of the earliest games of the year. I, I get that, you know, teams change and, and things, you know, they, they can get better, and, and they clearly did. But still, 24 points, and then you're the offensive juggernaut uh, against a not a great defensive team should uh, send up warning signs. Yeah, and in some of its darkest days, the Auburn offense put up more than 20 points against Louisville. Right. So uh, not not uh, immortal by any means. Clemson went on to beat South Carolina by five points. Yeah, and Florida um, State and Syracuse both by 10. Yeah, and Florida State's a decent team. I actually respect them probably more than anybody else we've listed here. So they did win that game by 10. And then... They made it to the ACC championship game in lovely Charlotte and sort of had to pull a late one out against UNC, who, frankly, is not at all impressive either. Well, that's the thing. We watched a little bit of that game after the SEC championship game, and really Carolina was a few plays away from winning that game. Mm-hmm. Um, we could have not been dealing with Clemson. So uh, they're not, they're not, you know, they're not blowing people out unless you're Miami. Uh, so, you know, I, you know, I, it's, look, anytime you finish a season 12 and 0, you've done something, but this feels like a team that is, I don't want to say lucky, but because they're clearly good, but they're squeaking by. They're just, they're not, like you said, they are, they don't have a statement win on their resume. Yeah. Maybe the foundation is something less than sturdy. Yeah. Uh, All that said, they did beat an Oklahoma team in the semifinal that I thought might go on to win the national championship. I think Oklahoma actually uh, hurt themselves by having such a long off time between their last game of the season 
no Big 12 championship, and then having to come play this one. Uh, Oklahoma went into halftime up one, 17-16, and Clemson sort of came out, not a different team, but just clicking better in the second half. Uh, and, and you talked to a Sooner. I did talk you to a Sooner. You know a Sooner. That's amazing. I, know a, I don't even know a Sooner. Uh, a friend of the program and purveyor of Wild Bill Wingsauce mm. out of Gulf Shores, Alabama, my friend Bill Howard, is an Oklahoma guy. And we talked about it last Sunday, and basically he said, look, Clemson got tired. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, Oklahoma got tired. And, you know, and that's because we agreed going into halftime, Oklahoma had sort of tripped over their wee-wee a good bit and should have been up more than they were. It's a family-friendly uh, program. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm making this family-friendly as best I can. Give me a break. Uh, but, um, but yeah, they, Oklahoma should have been up more than they were. And then, yeah, the, the second half came out, and it was a totally different Clemson team, a totally different Oklahoma team. I don't know what happened to either one of them, but because at halftime I thought, ah, Oklahoma's got this. It's just yeah. one point. Yeah, I did too. They're out, they're out playing them like crazy, uh, but it didn't happen. No, and did you see the sort of uh, flies in the face of what I'm about to say, but I think it was that ESPN stats or ESPN numbers or something had a graph that they put out this week of – the point margins for Alabama and Clemson by quarter? No. And basically you can assume it, it averaged out to their outscoring opponents, say 50 points per quarter for first, second, and third quarters. In the fourth quarter, Alabama has outscored opponents by like their plus 30-something on their margin there. Mm-hmm. Clemson is minus nine in the fourth quarter. Really? Yeah. So okay. interesting that they somehow outconditioned Oklahoma – but I think they need to be worried about their conditioning against our boys. Yeah, if there's one thing we do well, it's the fourth quarter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's really no point in recapping what the Tide brings uh, to the table on defense. We've done that all year, so you know what that's about. But the real X factor in this game, I think, is Alabama's offense against Clemson's defense. Clemson checks in with the 17th-ranked defense nationally, allowing 20 points per game, uh, allowing 28, 128 on the ground and 166 through the air. Uh, and as we mentioned, Clemson's defense is 17th ranked nationally. But the, the, the uh, interesting thing about that is who is number 18, do you think? Mm, Auburn. That would be the State University of Michigan. Really? Yeah, Sparty would just hung our, our old friend Sparty. Our old friend Sparty would just hung 38 on. So I think there is a, uh, there's an opportunity to exploit some things here, but I'm not, I don't know. No, I think you're right. Uh, Clemson does bring a big D-line, kind of like ours. Uh, their guy, I think, sort of the anchor of the line, one Shaq something. Yeah, Wilson? and there's been some injury talk, but I think he's back to... So he made one reasonable tackle. I'm not even going to say it was a huge tackle. It was a decently sized tackle in the first quarter of that game and then set out the rest of the game. Yeah, he had a little injury. Adabo is saying he's almost full strength. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not... Look, I'm the first to say, hey, if he's if he's injured, sit his ass. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know, you know, I, I don't know where this kid stands. But you know, it, if he's not full strength, there's definitely something to exploit. Uh, but in my opinion, having said all that, the game sort of comes down to Lane Kiffin and Jake Coker. Uh, I think that we showed that we can beat you through the air and on the ground, uh, which may cause Clemson not to focus as much on Derrick Henry as much as Michigan State did, because you. Once we've made it clear that you do have to pay attention to the at, Choke, at Jake Coker deep ball, then um, that's going to clear up some ability to run. 
So I don't really know what they're going to do, to be honest with you. When you're, you know, nobody has ever said we're a multifaceted offense, but here we sit. Uh, we can do both, and so I think they're going to have to spread their resources around the field to cover folks like Calvin Ridley. Uh, speaking of, before we get to anything else, right, right. did you hear about Calvin Ridley's brother, whose name is Kevin Ridley? Now, he was he was committed to South Carolina. Now, he is immediately, four days later, decommitted. Uh-huh. You, you know about this, right? It was like he met Will Muschamp and was like, oh, maybe not. Oh, this is a horrible idea. <laughs> I immediately so, yeah, regret I'm, I'm this. I'm looking forward to the Red Elfle Club doing their job and bringing one Kevin Ridley in so we can have a Calvin and his year younger brother, Kevin. <laughs> yes, and for all you listeners who aren't seeing this in uh, subtitles, that is C-A-V-I-N, yeah. Calvin without the L. <laughs> exactly. Kevin Ridley. Yeah, exactly. Um, but anyway, that's my take on the thing. I think it does come down to play calling. I think it's spreading it out, making them defend through the air and on the ground. If we do that, I think both the air and the ground could end up having pretty decent games. Yeah, and while we're on play calling, I'll add in that I just thought Lane Kiffin was maestro-like out there uh, Thursday. Ran a few plays. There's a guy on Twitter, Ben underscore Litvin, who does an awesome job breaking down some film. It, and, he does. It's spelled that way, if you, if you will, for the listeners. Uh, it's Ben, B-E-N, underscore L-I-T-V-I-N. Does that sound right? Yeah, I think Anyway, right. the guy's fantastic on his breakdowns and uh, pointed out a couple of times, like in the first half, Alabama ran a screen pass that Michigan State just completely blew up. And the first play of the second half, Coker drops back and throws the exact same screen pass. Or fake, I'm sorry, fakes the screen pass. Uh, and and Ridley is deep later on. I got my plays mixed up. But yeah. you get the idea. Anyway, Kiffin was fantastic. Uh, we ran Henry from the up back a couple times, did it twice in a row, where he kind of got the ball and gashed forward, and it worked for seven or eight each time. So I think, again, Clemson just has to be guessing a lot on defense. Wait, I have to interrupt you, and I have to change my play of the game. Uh-oh. My favorite play of the game was... Derrick Henry running in front of Jaron Reed oh and Aishon Robinson. Yes. What was that? Eight hundred and ninety-seven pounds or thereabouts. <laughs> the girthiest running play I've ever seen. So in much my- girth, though. God. Yeah. I mean, that- I, I looked up and I was like, "They're running the wishbone, but opposite." And oh my God, who are those people? <laughs> and then yes. I just started squealing like a little girl. Yeah. Yeah. And apparently, yeah. so did Sparty's defense. There were a lot of players after the game who said that was the moment where they could tell Michigan State was just quitting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, so that was my that's that's my take on 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 that game. What do you, what's what's yours? I'm gonna say that it comes down to our defensive backfield. Um, we know by now, and have seen time and time again, they're phenomenal tacklers. They make great plays against the run and on the short pass. And they're ball hawks. I mean, they can make big plays, but can they just consistently cover some pretty good receivers that Clemson's going to bring all night? Um, when you look at the passing challenges we've had all year, Muyu, Louisiana Monroe, Tamu, and MTSU, who actually has a pretty great offense, mm-hmm. uh, they all threw 40-plus times, and we won those games by an average of 25 points or so. I mean, two of those were cupcakes, but even... Muyu and AM, we beat pretty handily. Uh, State, if you'll remember, threw for 304 yards, but only came away with six points the entire game. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. we may see 
some more bend not break stuff. Every team that we've seen lately has been challenging Marlon Humphreys right out of the gate. Uh, we saw it with Auburn, Florida, and now Michigan State. So they're seeing something, but he's Another responded well. Uh, yeah. So we'll see. Yeah, Marlon Humphrey and, and God love him and his father because you know his his daddy's the best. Mm-hmm. But yeah, his earlier this year we complained about next being apparently frozen solid. And Marlon Humphrey is one of those who just doesn't seem to understand. Turn the hell around, yeah. dude. You would and think, not, you would think not, with it, the tent and Dr. Andrews' squad and everybody there, we could work on a neck. That's a sexy tent. You want it, to tell that next uh, time? That tent is so sexy. Surely everyone's heard it by now. Well, you know, you're, you know, you, you, you roughed these kids. Talk, okay. talk about the tent. Well, dean of engineering school uh, Chuck Carr, who is the absolute coolest and was a vital resource in recruiting one Deshaun Hand to Alabama mm-hmm. from Michigan. Uh, he and our training staff and some senior engineering students got together, started talking about how they could provide privacy to injured players, and they came up with this awesome tent that they initially built with like bungee cords and PVC pipes. Actually, matter of fact, everybody's boy, Dan Wolken, did a story on it recently. I, I read the story. Yeah, I would recommend not clicking anything Dan Wolken has written <laughs> because it goes straight to his pocket. But, um, really neat tent. I'm not sure how we got on this tangent, but here we are. But yeah, well, it's, it's a great for doing, you know, you know, uh, doing medical checkups and what whatnot when you've got a injured player. When you know the the example that horrible Dan Walken gave was when um, Nick Chubb went down. The whole world got to see the look on his face and what mm-hmm. happened and all that stuff, all because Georgia did not have the benefit of this fabulous tent. Uh, we have a blow-up tent, and if anybody, uh, God forbid, anybody from our team goes down, you don't get to see what happens. Yeah, yeah, and that that will make those kids a lot of money, which is exciting. Yeah. And the other thing that it's used for, I don't know if you caught this in the article, O.J. Howard says he goes in there to pee. Well, I was going to say, you know, sometimes you got to pee. Huh? And, you know, one of the stories I've heard from the NFL forever was um, they just, you know, uh, Mark Schlereth, I think is who it was, is, is infamous for it. They would just... Uh, you know, pull it out and wrap a towel around it and pee. It's well, getting graphic. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. But, you know, there, there's your uh, there's your visual image for the night. But nevertheless, you don't have to pull it out and wrap a towel around it and pee. You can actually go inside somewhere and uh, pee there and so that it can, you know, you can stink up the whole joint. But nevertheless, we've got a, we've got a tent. I would think that would be fun to watch from the sidelines. I don't know. Exactly. Anyway, drum roll. Let's give the people what they really want. <laughs> Why game this particular podcast a look at your crimson tide shooty hoops as we mentioned your tide should be should have been heading into conference play at nine and three after playing two of the worst teams in college basketball and uh as it turns out that is the case basketball however made a triumphant return to coleman coliseum in the jacksonville state game uh it was slow it was methodical it was horrible to watch and we probably didn't have any reason, any business winning that game, but we got helped out by some referees mighty handily, so roll tied to that. And your Tide came away in a way too close game, 67-59. to 59. Then, later in the week, Norfolk State rolled into town, mm. and the Tide dominated the hell out of Norfolk State, 68-49. to 49. Shannon Hale has returned from his, quote, undisclosed medical condition, unquote, cough, cough, and saw limited action. But the plan is to get him more minutes as we roll into conference play. 
Yes, and speaking of, we will need him because conference play gets started this week, and we have a murderer's row coming up. Uh, Thursday night, your tide travels to Oxford, Mississippi, where they'll help the fighting Andy Kennedys. Is that what we're looking at? I think so. Why Andy don't I, Kennedys. You've got the shirt, not me. Oh, hey, that that was a one-time borrowed thing. I, was I, I hate, naked. I, I'm just saying, I did not pose with an entire family in a, in a roll this shirt that oh you did. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, they will be opening up. At your little dog, too. <laughs> oh, well played. I, I've got nothing. I'll just get my Solera and come find you. <laughs> um, they're opening up, I think it's called the Pavilion at Ole Miss, because if you've ever been to Ole Miss, you know that everything is at Ole Miss. They're fancy boys with fancy names. That's right. So we'll be taking on eighth-year junior point guard Stephen Moody down there, uh-huh. who looks to have another good year. After that, we have Kentucky at uh, Coleman Coliseum, which Kentucky will be coming off of a pretty brutal LSU loss, and I would it imagine is. they'll be angry. Yeah, it is, but that's, this game has me pissed off. Let me tell you why. Uh-oh. All right. I don't know why we schedule Kentucky. I mean, I granted that we're not the scheduling gods, but the kids are away. There'll be no students in Tuscaloosa uh, in the Kentucky yeah. game. Everybody is going to be focused on the national championship game. The, we tend to beat Kentucky when they come to Coleman Coliseum. But in this scenario, with nobody there, I don't see that being the case. Yeah, yeah. I also think they're just going to be really angry. Yeah, 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 there's that. Yeah. Anyway, who's moving on after that? After that, we have an undefeated South Carolina team, followed by trips to Nashville to play Vandy, and then to the Plains to face off against Bruce Pearl's Barners. I don't so, really see any of winning any of those games. It's really not looking great. Yeah, I mean, if we can come out of that, that's five games. If we can win one of those, that's fantastic. But really, starting the conference 0-5 is sort of a momentum killer. Yeah, and yeah, you just hope that if if that is to happen, we can kind of shake it off and continue on with the season, but that'll be tough. Yeah, exactly. All right, well, getting to the game at hand, the game at hand, the game at hand. We got the pick, the pick, the pick. We got your national chip game pick right here. Ooh. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Your Tide is favored by seven points against uh, the Clemson Tigers uh, with the projected total of 52.5 points. So Vegas is anticipating a 30-23 to 23 type game. You have no idea how long I tried to figure out what that was. There was like some algebra going on. I took uh, out a pen and pad, and I'm really appreciative that you did that math for me. Well, you know, uh, blonde hair, man, blonde hair. Um, tell me your thoughts on this game, Ellison. Well, it's one of those that I've gone back and forth on many times Um since I guessed our last game, and we've still got another week to go. I will say I was greatly encouraged by Saban's press conference today. He said, this is Wednesday we're talking, Um, he said this was the best practice he's seen since the end of the regular season, and if you kind of kept up, they were really fired up about, um, about the way the team practiced last week, and so it sounds like we're continuing, if not building upon that. I think mentally we certainly have an advantage. I'm sure Saban has pulled out all the psychological stops that he tends to do. And I know one thing he said that I was really giddy about is that we're not practicing for a bowl game. He said we're just practicing because this is game week and we've got another game coming up. Mm -hmm. And I really like that attitude and I'm probably reading too much into it. 
but a lot of the Clemson quotes I've seen, they just seem really excited to be here. They seem like they think they've already proved the doubters wrong and that they've already made a name for themselves and were sort of over the top celebrating their most recent win against Oklahoma, which granted was a great win. But I just think we have a mental edge that can't be replicated. I think our defense is so focused, so gelled. Uh, one thing we should talk about real quick was that Tim Williams play with My, the spin move. Yeah. One of the best plays I've seen from us all season. Yeah. That, that from guy's... A, from, from your third string defensive end. Yes. Yeah, exactly. But also <laughs> sack leader. He, he is just amazing. And so I think he will keep Deshaun on the run. I think uh, we came out against Florida with everybody's favorite Reuben missile crisis, uh, kind of being the spy on a Treon over there. So I would imagine he'll be the guy that I left the Georgia Dome with you talking about how fast Ruben was out there. I mean, he was yeah. just everywhere in an instant from the from the hashes to the sidelines <laughs> like that. Uh, I think the defense does their job. I think we feed Henry all day. I bet he gets, I'm going to say he gets close to 50 carries uh, until they just can't can't do they can't get up off the ground until their asses quit if you will and i also think it's an extremely boring game we have a history of getting into the national championship game and then just sort of smothering and suffocating all the energy out of a team and i hope this is super boring i hope they punt more but i expect jk scott to be on call more than Dabo's mama He's a real fun punter back there. He is a great punter. Had a great game Thursday we didn't even talk about. Uh, all that to say, all that to build up to, and I'm not sure how we're going to get to this number, but just trust me on this one, Tide 25, Clemson 13. Solid, solid. Choice. Roll Tide. Uh-huh. Like I said, I think this game comes down to Lane Kevin's play calling against Clemson's defense. I think 30 uh, is probably too low. Mm. Uh and I think, but I, I think the twenty three, I don't know. I think Deshaun Deshaun Watson's going to make some plays. Yeah, I just hope third and Kirby is a thing of the past, and his defense wants to send him out a winner. Can't believe uh, you even uh, said that. Uh huh. Uh huh. The only problem, the the only problem I see is if Deshaun Watson has a uh, Johnny Effing football kind of game. Yeah, if just scrambling and scrambling and throwing the ball up. And somehow miraculous catches happen. Yeah, uh, we've seen that happen before, and God knows we're in the building to watch it. Uh, but outside of that, I feel pretty good. Um, I think it's close uh, at halftime. Yeah, but I think your tide eventually pulls away. I'm going. The number I what I have written down early in the week is thirty-seven twenty-three. Um, I would not be surprised if the tide's number was higher than that. If it was forty wow. two twenty three, but I'm going to stick with thirty seven twenty three. You're tied coming out on top. If I gave you an over under on <laughs> Derrick Henry rushing yards at one thirty five, where do you land? Wow, because that's kind of where I have it. Ooh. I, I think he's one twenty to one forty. Okay, I'm going to go over. I think he has Great. a big day finally in front of the entire nation. Well, let's hope so. Yeah. Uh, so that's it for this week's edition of Houndstooth Heroes. We did not mention you can pick up uh, Buckle Up Houndstooth Heroes t-shirts from us. All you got to do is contact us 
uh, at email, houndstoothheroes at gmail.com, and we will fire it off to you. 22 bucks and shipping is included. Finally, uh, find us on Facebook, on Twitter at H2Heroes. Listen to us on SoundCloud or on iTunes. Thanks for listening. Uh, just a real quick programming note, our game plan going forward after football is to podcast every two weeks instead of every week. But rest assured, if something important happens in recruiting season or something else happens uh, with regard to anything else, we will summon an emergency podcast because if we don't cast, people die. <laughs> something <laughs> like that. And we're Hounds Tooth Heroes. Take us home, brother. All right. Happy New Year. Y'all be good. Roll Tide.